So three things I want to share with you this morning. And, and here, here's the first, it's just a simple truth, kind of lesson throughout Scripture. And it's just that following God's leading can be scary, right? Following God's leading can be scary. And guess what? God knows that, okay? God knows that following his leading can be scary. And so we have to kind of start here. So um, God leads his children. That was kind of our foundational uh, principle that God lovingly leads us. Um, and, and so we need to understand this. God is a leader, not a follower. Right? God is a, a shepherd. He is not a sheep herder. He, he walks in front. He doesn't walk in behind. That, that's who God is. And as God um, walks in front, he lovingly leads us into places that he has prepared for us. And what he does is he calls us by name, mind you. He calls us by name because he knows our name. He calls us by name to step out in faith and to follow him into those places that he's prepared. That's what he does. That's a biblical picture, okay? But here's the thing we need to understand. Those places that God has prepared for us, those, those places that he goes ahead of us, those places that he calls us into are usually places that are out of our comfort zones. They're usually places that are out of our comfort zones. Those are the places that God calls us into unknown waters, into unknown territories, into unknown lands, into unknown projects, into, into unknown careers. That's the God that we serve, right? And, and, and so, so, so that, that's the deal. We have to understand that. In fact, that's one of my personal tests, by the way. Uh, if you're one of those people that you always want to know, like, God, is this from you? One of my first questions when I'm kind of facing one of those decisions in life, and I'm like, Lord, is this from you? I ask myself, well, am I comfortable with it? Right? Can I do this on my own? Like, do I have the ability to do this test? And if my answer is, yeah, I can do this all day with my eyes closed, then I'm kind of like, eh, probably not you, right? Maybe one of those things I can say no to. But when the answer to that question is absolutely not, there's no way that I can do this thing on my own or by myself without God, then I usually find that that's God's leading into an area where he, he wants to stretch me, he wants to grow me, and ultimately he wants to bless me. And, and so that's one of my tests. So, so God lovingly leads us, but he usually leads us out of our comfort zones. And I would just want you to think about this with me. We talked about some of these guys. We'll talk about it again. Just think about Noah for a second, right? So God shows up to Noah and he's like, hey, man, I want you to build a boat. And Noah's like, what's a boat, right? Because God, God's like, no, no, seriously, you're going to build a boat. And Noah's like, I don't know what a boat is. And God says, because it's going to rain. And Noah says, what's rain? Right? And, and so God's like, and by the way, it's going to be a big boat. It's going to be about the size of one and a half football fields. And Noah's like, what's football, right? God didn't actually say football. But, but you get what I, where I'm going. And so, so God calls him to do something he's completely uncomfortable with. And, and then God shows up to a guy named Abram. And he says, hey, Abram, um, I want you to move. And Abram's like, where do you want me to go? And God says, just go where I tell you. And he's like, uh, sure. Right? And, and then he shows up to, to a guy named Moses. Right? And he says, hey, hey Moses, listen, I know that um, you killed a guy uh, and, and you kind of buried him in the sand. And I know that there's probably a price on your head back in Egypt. But I want you to go there. And, and I don't want you to just sneak in. I want you to actually walk right up to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. Okay. Right? Right? I, I'm, I think about uh, Joshua. Right? <laughs> hey, hey, Joshua, listen, I know that your mentor Moses is dead. And, and the people that um, used to be there, they, they lacked the faith to follow. Um, but you're working with their kids and their grandkids now. So just go ahead and cross over and face those giants, okay? Okay. And then when he does, he's like, oh, by the way, don't, I don't want you to brandish a sword for the first city. I just want you to march around and play music. Okay? Think about Jeremiah. Hey, Jeremiah, I know that you're young. Man, I get it, but I, you're going to be a mouthpiece for the entire nation. David, you're the smallest of your brothers. You're just a stinky shepherd. But I want to make you into a king and a killer of giants. 
the disciples, rugged, raggy bunch, just fishermen, tax collectors. He says, I want to make you into fishers of men and collectors for the kingdom. Paul, listen, I, I know you were a persecutor of my people, but I want you to be a preacher to them. In fact, I'm going to make you a light to the people that you used to look down to. That's what I'm going to do for you. This is what I'm saying, guys. God leads us. He he always does. But when he does, he usually leads us into places that make us extremely uncomfortable. And so following God into those places that he leads us is usually scary. Okay? It's scary because they are uncomfortable places and they are usually really big tasks that we are not equipped for. So we would think, and God knows that these things are scary. He knows that following his leading can be scary. That's why after he instructs his children to do something, he immediately says time and time and time and time and time again, oh, and do not be afraid. I I want you to build a boat, but don't be afraid. I want you to go to Pharaoh, but don't freak out, okay? I want you to be a a voice for my nation, but don't worry, okay? Time and time again, and and so I just just want you to see this, walk through a few of them. Genesis 15, 1, uh, he's speaking to Abram, he said, don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. Uh, Numbers 21, 34, he's speaking to Moses. The Lord says to Moses, do not be afraid of him, for I have delivered him into your hands along with his whole army and his land. Uh, Joshua, he, he says this, he says, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan into the land that I'm about to give to them, uh, to the Israelites. And he says this, ready? Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous and do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to me saying before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were born. I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I I, I don't know how to speak and I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you and you must say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. And friends, we could spend the rest of the morning talking about men and women that God calls out into the uncomfortable, into the unknown, and how he immediately after calling them then says, don't be afraid. That could be the whole message. That's just a handful. We'd be here all day. I just want you to get this first point. It's, it's a big deal. Following God's leading can be scary. And God knows that. That's why he addresses fear over a hundred times in the Bible. And when he addresses fear, he is usually addressing the fact that he has called someone to follow him. And so then he immediately says, and when you're following, don't be afraid. Okay? Number two. Number two, I want you to see this. God never promises a life free from problems. He promises to provide us with his presence. God never promises us a life free from problems. If you heard that gospel, you didn't really hear the gospel. Right? That's a whole separate issue if you think that life is supposed to be all rainbows and unicorns. God never promises a life free from problems. He promises to provide us with his his presence. And and I would even add to that in his power. 
One of my new favorite sayings that's kind of come up over the last year as we've worked through all of these things, and, and uh, we've got a building task force that's been meeting for several months, and, and we've been talking about this stuff with the deacons and, and how difficult it's going to be and how much it's going to cost and how are the people going to respond and what are we going to do with this and what are we going to do with that? And we just all these questions and all these problems have been kind of arising. I'm like, man, that's good news. And people look at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, because there's always giants in the promised land, Right? There are always giants in the promised land. One of my new favorite sayings in life. So when life gets hard, I'm like, I must be in the right place. (laughs) That's a sign to me that you're in the right location because there's always always problems in the promised land. There just always are. It's one of those those indications that I'm in the right place. are, Are there problems bigger than you can handle? Then you're probably doing the right thing. Are you going to have to rely on God to intervene in your situation, then you've probably set yourself up in the right location, right? There are always problems. And one of the things I love about God is, is he always speaks truth to them, right? So, so last week we said, you know, God's goal for our lives is abundant fruit. That's what he wants. And that's true. That's all throughout scripture from Genesis all the way to Revelation. God wants abundance for us wants good things for us, right? But God never in his word promises that that abundance is easy. Did you know that? So he said, you know, we get that abundant fruit when we follow Jesus closely, but, but scripture says following Jesus closely isn't that easy. Jesus says, I don't have any place to rest my head. He says, if you want to come after me, you're going to have to take up your cross. You have to deny yourself and come after me, right? He says, basically you could die. It's, it's not easy. And it's never promised to us that it's going to be easy. God never pulls any punches. He never tries to sell you. He never tries to manipulate you into following his leading. That is not of God. So when God leads his children to the brink of their blessing, to the brink of the land that he has promised them, he does something amazing in my book. He walks them right up to the edge and he says, all right, I want you to send a handful of guys and I want you to go over And I want you to check it out. I want you to see that my promise is true. But I also want you to see firsthand the problems that lie there. Like, that's crazy, right? I mean, come on, if we're doing that, we're not sending people to look at the problems. We're like, "Ah, see from a distance, use a telescope. Look how big the grapes are. Yeah, okay, let's go. That's not God. God says, I I want you to see firsthand. I I want you to get a clear view of the problems that that are there. And and I believe this is God's heart in that. God wasn't trying to sell easy. He wanted them to know the truth. Our God's a God of transparency. It's kind of an interesting message, isn't it, by the way? This is not how you would try to sell something. Hey, there are nine foot-plus-tall problems in that promised land, okay? All right, who's in? It's not the way you would typically go about it, but that was God's message. This wasn't going to be easy, but it was going to be worth it. The problems were big, but so was the blessing. And then God says, and by the way, don't forget, I'm going to go with you. Here's an interesting fact. Do you know that if you were going to study the hundred plus times that God says, do not be afraid, again, the majority of the times that God says, do not be afraid, immediately follow him telling his children to do something, okay? So he says, hey, follow me into this place. It's uncomfortable, but don't be afraid of it, okay? And then, and then get this, 
immediately after he says, don't be afraid, he typically says one of two things. Here's why we're not supposed to be afraid. Ready? He says, don't be afraid because either A, I've got this. I've got the situation. I'm your shield. I'm your fighter. I'm, I'm the one doing it for you. So he either, either says, don't be afraid because I've got this. Or, or the second one is, don't be afraid because I am with you. We're not to be afraid. God wants us to see the problems. But he says, don't be afraid because I am your protector. I am your provider. Right? And I am with you. I am with you. You get my power. I'm going to fight for you. And that is huge. We've got to get this. God never promises a life free from problems. He promises to provide his presence and his power, which leads us to the last thing. Ready? Faith in God is the only way to overcome our fears of following his leading. Okay? The world has a lot of ways that you can overcome your fears, right? They typically involve inebriation. Um, I mean, there's a whole lot of ways you can get over your social awkwardness or, or whatever. But, but when it comes to following God's leading, that's not going to cut it, right? I mean, it's just not going to cut it. The Israelites couldn't all take, take a few drinks and cross over and fight. That wasn't going to work, right? The only way to overcome your fears of following God is by faith. It's interesting, our small group is doing a study right now on fear. It just happened, we went to Lifeway, we picked a bunch of stuff, and kind of people talked about it, and, 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 uh, and so it's what keeps you up at night. It's a whole study based on fear, talk about the providence of God. And last week in our study, the speaker said, we don't have a fear problem. We have a faith problem. Right? And the more and the more I thought about that statement this week, the more it began to ring true to me. And so, so again, we're going to be in Hebrews 11, and I want to read from Hebrews 11, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read down uh, through verse 6. It says this, it says, now, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is, is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. So that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away for before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, get this, and that he rewards those who earnestly, what? Seek him. And then Hebrews 11 goes on and it says these things. By faith, Noah built. By faith, Abram went. By faith, Moses left, right? Time and time again. Now, hold on. We've already established all those folks were afraid. We've already studied those scriptures. Every single one of those men was absolutely afraid of, of the call of God on their lives. Every single one of them. God called them, God was leading them somewhere, and every single one of those guys was afraid, so much so that God had to then reinforce, say, do not be afraid, right? Because God knows that we're afraid of following him. So, so how did these men overcome their fears? How, 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 did, how did the men here in Hebrews 11 overcome their fears? Like the scripture tells us, right? They overcome their fears by faith. 
every single one of them was commended for their faith. For their faith. Hebrews 11.6, right here, it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That word seek means to seek, to seek for, or to go about after. I like to use another word there, follow. We have to believe that there is a God, that he exists, and we have to believe that the God that exists, that made us in his image and designed us to follow him, rewards us when we do. And if we believe that God is indeed God, that he is indeed good, and that he indeed rewards those that follow his leading, then we will have the faith to enter in to all of the problems that he allows us to see. It's huge. Life-altering. Huge. So what on earth does all of that have to do with us collectively? By the way, you've got to work out that individual stuff first and foremost, right? This is a big deal for us. I, I don't care what stage of life you're in. We've got some young marriage. We've got some old marriage. We've got some singles. Uh, some of us have little kids that don't let us sleep, and some of us have big kids that keep us up at night, right? I don't care what stage of life you're in. We all face fear. But we all serve a God that says, I am bigger than your fears. And the goal for your life is to walk closely with me and to trust me that I have got you. I have got you. So seek me with all of your heart. Come to me with all of your problems. Knock on my door with all of your fears and find that I am faithful. I'm always able. I'm always awake. And I'm always willing to say, come up with me, my child. So what does all this have to do with us collectively? With our church, relocation, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I I would love to say this has nothing to do with us, but this is going to be a huge part of this whole process right here. It, it, it absolutely is, right? Um, so the first thing I think is important for us, I think this, this message has to do with us. I honestly think God wants us to genuinely get a good look at, at all the problems with, with this whole process. I think, I think God wants to see. Now, that's not a selling point. See, if I was going to manipulate you, I'd leave this out. Okay? But that's not the goal. Like, God doesn't do that. That's not his system. God's system is he takes you to the brink. He says, I want you to see how good it can be, but I also want you to see all the problems. So last week, we looked at how good it could be, okay? So up on the screen right here, um, there we go. So uh, worship center, you know, seats 600 people. We have a problem with space here. Uh, 400 people can eat around these circular tables. We've got all this room in the hallway. Uh, We said we don't got any place to gather, so that's all here. Uh, We've got offices. This is all children's wing. These are are safe playground areas. We've got secure check-in, big youth room, adult Sunday school space, uh, nice baptistry back here. These are all baptistry changing rooms, which is all the way. Huge commercial kitchen, covered drive, Basically, we, we said this plan addresses all of the problems that we had with our current facility. That, that all came out in, in a big town hall meeting. We said this, this is the problems that we see with our current facility, and so we address all of those things. That's a big deal. So we've seen the fruit. So um, 
let's, let's do this. Let's talk about the problems. And I want to start with the biggest. I want to start with Goliath, okay? So, so here's the biggest um, fear right here, Michael. Uh, and so uh, see, see that number right there? That's, that, that's the number everybody asks. So how much is all this going to cost? There you go, Goliath. Uh, 3.5 to 3.9 million dollars. I mean, just look at it. Like, it, it, if, if anybody else having some flitter flutters right now? Because I've been, I've been that way. Somebody say, look, nope. And Mark, Mark's like, I'm, I ain't scared. That's awesome, brother. Because the first time I saw that number, I about peed my pants. I'm not going to lie. I was, like, ah. um, I was like, oh, dear Lord. I, I suddenly need more Zantac. And uh, so it, 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 I'm going to be honest. That number scares me. That number scares me. I, I think it's okay. God knows that. I mean, that's why he allowed me to look at that number for months before I had to stand in front of you guys. Um, I, that, that can be a scary number. You know, for some people, it's weird. For some people, it's scary because, uh, because it's, it's, a, it's a real big number. For others, you think that number is actually too small. Um, some people go, there's no way you can build a 30,000 square foot facility for that number. But here's the deal. We, we um, are working with uh, an architect, and, and, and he works with a builder specifically, and we've actually walked the churches that they've built, and they're gorgeous, and they're beautiful. They have a different construction method, um, and they're, they're very close on their budget. Um, but here's, here's, here's the questions people ask, like, what all does that include? So that, that includes all the civil, uh, the architect fees, all the geotechnical stuff. It also includes, this is big, all the audiovisual stuff, the furnishings are included, uh, different equipment systems that you need, and then, of course, there's the building, the site work, and, and contingency. Um, a lot of that site work, you'll see that's a big number. Um, just the site work to lay the foundation out in that field is going to be crazy. It's going to be big. So, so I think we need to start here and just be honest. Like, that's a big number. It's a big, that's a Goliath-sized number, okay? For our church, and you kind of look at it and say, wow, that's, that's a big deal, okay? So the, I just want you to see it. We're not trying to hide anything. Um, next week, by the way, we said we're going to give you a gift. Everybody's going to get a printed handout that has all this information in it. Every single person. Everybody that's here, every family is going to get to go home with that. Why? Because we're supposed to be praying about it. We're supposed to be talking to Jesus about it. We're supposed to be taking our concerns to him. I, so I, I think we, we start here with kind of our, 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 our biggest deal and, uh, and just understand what that uh, includes. Now, next week, we're going to talk about how we think the Lord's going to provide for that. Okay? Because that's a big deal. We need to talk about how we believe the Lord is going to provide for that amount. And, uh, and so that's important. So uh, let's talk about the, the second one. And I don't have a slide for this. Uh, but I, for what, what, I, what I believe, I, I think the second greatest fear that we have is it has to do with timing. Right? Well, how soon is this going to happen? So if we vote on the 9th, are we like taking out a loan for $3.5 million on the 10th? Absolutely not. That is not how we work. So, so when the enemy whispers that kind of junk into your ear, you just got to say, get thee behind me, Satan. Like, that's not how we work. So what, what the vote on the ninth is, is to say, hey, we're going to enter into this plan. Well, what does the plan look like? Um, we really don't know when, when the actual building thing is going to happen. Here's, here's what we kind of have a sense of. We know we need to raise some capital. Okay, we know that, Matt. We need to bring some cash to the table. And kind of like with the land, um, when we went to purchase the land, we just had a sense that we were supposed to put $100,000 down. We kind of have a sense that we're supposed to raise about a million dollars in cash. Now, the good news is we already have over $100,000 in the bank. Amen? Praise God. So what that breaks down to is, is, is $300,000 three years in a row over budget is about what we need. Now, I don't know about you, but I look at that and say, Jesus, we need you, Right? We're going to need you, Jesus. We really are. Now, you could break down the numbers and the finances. We've got 185 families uh, that are active of all 185 of those families actually gave. Unfortunately, not all 185 of those families give uh, and tithe on a regular basis. But if they did, uh, it's not a huge number that we're talking about to reach this. It's really not. 
Um, we're talking tax returns. We're talking cutting some vacations and maybe a couple garage sales. There's not a whole lot that it would require. Unfortunately, not all 185 families are going to bear that burden. Okay? So that means that those of us that do currently bear the burdens of the church are probably going to have to step up and do that. But you say, well, I can't do that in my budget. Well, guess what? You don't have to provide it. God's going to. Right? God is going to provide increase somewhere. He's going to provide some way that you didn't see that this is going to happen because, because that's his name, and we'll talk about that next week. So, so God's going to provide that. So the only timing we really know is that we feel like uh, we're supposed to raise money for about three years. Why you say that? Uh, because that's how long all the experts say you can raise money. You can't do it for longer than three years. You're not supposed to do it for sure. So three years is just kind of common. Now, I, I need you to know our approach here. Our approach is God. Okay? If you wanted some special fancy guy from an outside place to hold a big meeting in the fellowship hall and make everybody pledge, uh, I'm sorry, you came to the wrong church. We're not going to do that. Okay? We're not going to have pledge meetings. We're not going to guilt you into going over your budget and figuring out this much and this much. I am going to ask you to prayerfully look at your budget. I'm going to ask you to prayerfully pay. Guess what? You don't have to tell me any of that information. We don't want pledge cards from you. We want you to pray and seek the Lord's face, and we believe he's going to show you what to do. That's it. Why? Because he's God, right? Do, guys, do you realize when it came to the land, we, we, we had two like special offering dates, two, and, and God, $360,000 paid off in less than two years. God did that. Do, do you realize that after it was paid off, people continue? Do you know we haven't even talked about money for this building yet other than today, and last week God brought in $16,000 for this project? God. Just, that's how he is. Put it on somebody's heart, $16,000. There you go. Like, here's some seed money for you, okay? And our goal, by the way, so you know, like if we vote October 9th and all goes well, there's, there's going to be, our, our, we're going to set up special offering dates in November and in April. Okay, I'm pulling from way recesses here. And in April, um, that we'll have special emphasis dates. But the first one, only being a month out, we were like, well, what's a good God-sized goal, but it's not going to freak everybody out? So we're like, how about $50,000? Well, 16000 of 50000 has already come in, and we haven't even really talked about money until this moment, Okay. God is good. God is good. So first, we believe, we believe God's going to provide. Second, um, timing-wise, what does that look like? So here's the only thing we know. Again, we, we believe we're supposed to raise capital. We think it's going to be uh, uh, about $300,000 a year over the course of three years. We believe God, trust God for that. Um, and, and then here's the deal. So when things start happening, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of floating, okay? It, it's, it's, we we kind of have a, a number in mind. Uh, that roughly when there's about half a million dollars in the bank, that's $500,000. I like to say that better than half a million. Uh, when there's 500000 499999 um, when that's in the bank, we feel like, uh, or, or somewhere around there, it, we may get a little closer and say we need six, but there's going to come uh, a trigger point. I, I'm going to steal Jeff's word. There's going to come a trigger point of which then we go ahead and start paying for the engineering. We go ahead and start paying for the plans. Uh, we can start talking about it. So there's going to come a trigger point that then we'll do things. But get this, ready? How do we work as a church? When we get there, we come to you in a business meeting. We say, hey, we've reached our trigger point. Now we want to go ahead and, and uh, put our, uh, list, our, list current property in. And, and, and we want to do this and we want to do that. And again, some of that gets into next week. But so, so guys, we really do not know. That's all we know. So if you want more details than that, then I start praying. And maybe God will give you the answers before he gives them to us. But that's what we have right now is, is we just know this is what the Lord's called us to at this point, okay? Which brings me kind of to the last fear that I'll address this morning. I know there's more. There's, there's some fears about, you know, size. And is it still going to have the same feeling? And we'll get to that with this picture. But the last big one, I think, I call, I call it comfort. Um, some might call it emotional attachment. 
right, to this place. Right? Comfort or emotional attachment to this place. Um, we know this place, right? For, for some of you, it is all you know. Some of you were raised in this church, and this is the only church you know. Some got married in this church, even though it didn't have a center aisle. I mean, you have told me several times the new church better have a center aisle. So, uh, yes, we have heard that loud and clear. We've got great memories here. For some of you, your family members helped build this building. Many of you were baptized here. Some of you were married here. And I'm going to say this uh, personally, because I want to speak my heart just for a second. See, we have a, a very real enemy. He's the accuser. And one of the things that the accuser is going to tell you is that somehow this young... By the way, I'm not feeling so young these days, okay? But he's going to tell you that somehow this young, out-of-town guy, right, who's not one of us, this is the accuser speaking, doesn't know, doesn't have any attachment to this place. That's what the enemy is going to tell you. And, and my only response is, is what, just from my heart, I would say, really? Is that really what you think? Do you, do you honestly believe that? But I, I can tell you the first moment I walked into this place, no lights on, Carolyn Creamer, it was about 10.30 in the morning. We, uh, Hope and I had been grilled by Paul Mertz and the search team. I mean, grilled uh, the night before. And we stayed in the parsonage, which was kind of semi-set up. We were like laying in this bed going, this is weird. Uh, and Carolyn took us out to breakfast. And I remember we walked through the whole building. And finally, we walked into this room and uh, just looked around. And I walked up on this stage and I put my hands right here. And I just remember this, this piece. And I said, man, I could get used to this. And the moment I muttered those words, I could get used to this, Carolyn Creamer's cell phone rang. And it was Vicki Dawson, who was the chair of the pastor search committee, calling, asking her if we could stay one more night for further interviews. I remember my first Sunday and the very first message that was preached here. And I remember altars full of people that were sold out to do whatever it took to reach our community for Christ. My children were raised in these hallways. I baptized all three of my boys in that baptistry. Every single one of them. And I couldn't be more proud to be their dad. My daughter came to us here in this building. That nursery is the place that we took her. That's the place that she was raised. And so please don't tell me that I have no attachment to this place. Does mean something to me, but hear me more than this place. You mean something to me. And all of the great people in this city like you that just haven't heard about Jesus yet. There is a weight and a responsibility to this that is heavy. And don't think for a moment that it doesn't weigh on those that have been involved in this process. Don't let the accuser get in your ear or in your mind or in your head to make you think that we have not thought through all of these fears and all of these problems that we don't understand them because we do. We do. But here's the deal. I believe as much as you love this place, as much as God has done in this place, as much as your life has been transformed in this place, I believe that God is going to transform lives every bit as much in this place. Right? 
So we said we're going to take you inside the building. We've talked about the life change. We've talked about this hall. This is, this is the, as you walk through the doors and you look down the main hall, it's 165 feet long, it's 30 feet wide. Somebody says, well, pastor, I'm afraid we're going to get so big, we're just, we're going to lose contact with each other. No, friends, we're going to gain contact with each other. This entire building is designed around the purpose of fellowship, around the purpose of doing life together, because we are and always will be a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church that does everything in its power to meet the needs of the city of Elgin, Texas, teaching people to love God, to love others, and to do something about it. That's the commitment. That's the commitment. So guys, I want to be honest. I want you to see the fears this morning. I want you to look at them. It's okay. Go home and let them keep you up. They've been keeping me up for a while, right? But after you look at the problems, would you do me a favor and would you make sure at least that you walk over to a couple of guys that are holding poles and that you look at the fruit, that you look at the promise, okay? God is totally transparent. He wants us to know going into it, there are going to be problems. I've said this to our deacons. I haven't said it publicly, but I'm going to say it right now. Ready? We do this October 9th. We vote yes. I think it might be some of the most difficult times in the life of the church. I think God may be calling those that are here to carry a burden that no one in a long time has had to carry around here. But... There's a big but. I think it will be tremendously worth it. I think the burden that we carry, I think the work that we put in, I think the time spent on our knees, I think God is going to bless every single moment of it. Every single moment of it. So I don't know what you see, but I look, I see all the problems now. I see them, they're clear as a bell. But I also see the promise. And I hear the words of God saying, Do not be afraid. I've got this, and I will be with you. Do you guys pray with me? Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for how good it is. God, I just, uh, I pray that we'd hear your voice this morning. I pray that we'd hear it clearly. I pray that we would be comforted by it. Our fears are real. The giants are big. That number is well over nine feet tall in my book. But God, you're bigger. You are bigger. Your name is provider. Teach us that, God. Teach us that over the next week. In Jesus' name we pray.